Hello, Wild Feather listeners. I'm your host, Brooke Dunwell, and today we have the CEO of Mindful Success. And her name is Suzanne Finder, and she is a nervous system educator, and she is just really delightful and a wealth of information, and she gives lots of tips and tools for founders and anyone else out there listening that is running the rat race that needs to de-stress and, um, you know, finding help in many different aspects, shall we say. So definitely don't want to miss it. Let's hear what she has to say. We are supported by Masami. Masami is clean premium hair care with a Japanese ocean botanical for weightless hydration and shine. We love their products in my house. My daughter has really thick long hair and I have really fine thin hair and we both love the Masami shampoo and conditioner. Masami is vegan, cruelty-free, non-toxic, clean, gender neutral, and works for every hair type and texture, whether straight or curly. Their products clean and moisturize their hair all at once. They've received several awards for their products, and after using them, you will look like you just walked out of the salon. They're eco-friendly, sustainable, vegan, plant-based, and the company is woman-owned. For 15% off, go to Love Masami, that's L-O-V-E-M-A-S-A-M-I dot com backslash the Wild Feather Podcast and enter the Wild Feather Podcast in the coupon code for 15% off your entire order. podcast. I'm super excited that you're here and uh, that you're going to share all this valuable information. So welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, Brooke. Glad to be here. You've kind of got a dynamic background and you are CEO and a founder, but you also offer a lot of value and services to founders as well. So let's give us a little backstory on how you became the founder of Mindful Success and what led you to that. Prior to starting my own business, I was a seller in several Fortune 500 companies and multiple-time President's Club. So top 10% seller with, you know, lots and lots of sellers. And I decided, well, since I can sell, you know, in a corporate environment and I know what I'm doing and I've proven it over and over, I'm going to start my own gig. And that was an interesting shift, um, a friend of mine said, I want to move back to Los Angeles. I was living in New York at the time. And uh, I want to start a company. Would you help me? Because you've got the background in corporate that I don't have. And she had the background in cold calling because I wasn't great at cold calling. I was, I was good at account management um, and leading people. So we teamed up and we started a company 
that raised money for nonprofit organizations. We had two projects that were total duds, and then we had the Motherload project. We had the opportunity to raise money for an organization that was being given a grant of $40 million in advertising. So by the Ad Council. I don't know if you remember Smokey the Bear and this is your brain on drugs. And so, yeah, this little organization needed to raise about a million dollars to unlock that 40 million. And so we went out, we got a very well-known insurance company by calling on their CEO, cold calling their CEO. And uh, we were all, all doing very, very well. We were really happy. Um, and then we all got together and uh, we got all the parties together, I should say. And the ad council said, oh, you should have called us two weeks ago. We just gave the money away to Ford. Well, we didn't have the relationship with the ad council. Our client did, but our client was negligent and didn't, didn't do their job. So our $250,000 commission from that project went down the drain. Talk about this regulation. <laughs> we recognized that our, we, we, we did not have a good business model. We had no control over our product. And it was time to, uh, to fold up the tent and kind of figure out what we were going to do next. And at the time, um, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. I figured, well, I'll take a coaching course because here I am. I have a background of uh, being successful in business. But um, my early life, my early life as a little girl wasn't so happy. Um, my mom had died when I was six. My dad remarried very quickly within the year, married a very wealthy woman. And I lived in the realm of elite private schools in the Upper East Side of New York, nannies, riding, riding camps, all that stuff. But um, she was a disaster. She, I think Joan Crawford got the idea of Mommy Dearest from her. That was her role model. I mean, it was bad. Anyway, so all of this time, without me knowing it, um, I was continually proving that I was good enough. So all of my success, all of my striving, all of my everything, I had to keep proving because deep down, I had a sense that I just wasn't good enough, that I was unworthy. And I had no idea that this was going on despite years of psychotherapy. Um, and I did everything. I was on the spiritual buffet line for many, many years trying to figure out, you know, how can I just be happy and have good relationships? And I wasn't even aware that I didn't feel good about myself. But looking back, it's easy to identify, oh, okay. So what I learned more recently, um, after I'd gotten coaching degrees and all sorts of things, um, that it was my nervous system <laughs> that was dysregulated. The nervous system is our portal to the world. That's how we perceive the world. And if we have unresolved trauma or chronic stress, the stress that we endure as founders, right, always putting out fires and trying to think two steps ahead of everything else and putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And we don't even know what the pieces are many of the times. You know, we're hiring people and they don't fulfill what, what they want us, what we wanted them to fulfill. There are all sorts of challenges, right, that founders have. It's not a smooth ride. 
Well, many times we get into this position, not all the time, um, because we didn't have the pieces of the puzzle arranged for us as little children. So we're now out there proving that we're good enough to put this puzzle together and make it succeed. It does not resolve the problem. It surfaces all over the place. It surfaces primarily in our relationships, in our primary relationships, and in our health. And we think those are completely disconnected, but they're not. So what would you say, I think a lot of people don't know, recognize, I don't even think they give it thought, to be honest, about childhood traumas and things that are beneath the surface of like going to that level, right? Like you were doing all the things and still were unaware. Like, I think unless you dig back the layers and really dig, 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 right? So do you have any common like things, um, I don't want to say triggers, traits, any common, like for the average person, I don't mean average person, but for the person that hasn't given this any thought, what are some signs that they might have? Do we, do you know any of those? Hmm. Yeah. Workaholism. Workaholism, any kind of addiction. And I don't mean necessarily drinking. It could be, um, it could be shopping. It could be working out. It could be anything that um, keeps us from really feeling our feelings. How we address relationships. Um, there is this thing called the attachment theory that identifies how we are in our primary relationships based on the level of safety that we have within ourselves, within our nervous system. So if we have unhealthy primary relationships where there's a lot of stress and a lot of discord, that's a sign. So really, our life is a reflection of what's happening with our nervous system. That's how we perceive the world. Our nervous system remembers everything. And unless the chronic disconnection, primarily the disconnection, I think, from ourselves, keeps moving forward, it's going to drive us to keep making poor decisions that ultimately don't support our well-being on the outside and the inside. So let's first talk about, well, what is trauma? Because most people say, well, I don't have trauma, I had a great childhood, right? Uh, my parents were great. Uh, I had a lot of friends. Well, in our culture, in our culture, our parents are not trained to connect with us. We're not breastfed for three years. We're not carried. We're not put in a papoose on our, on our mommy's back so we can feel her heartbeat. In our culture, our culture has a basis of constant chaos and threat. So if our nervous system was really balanced, meaning that for the most part, we feel safe. We all, and when I say safe, I don't mean the absence of threat. And by the way, uh, getting back to before I move into that, and please remind me because sometimes I get really kind of down a rabbit hole. 
trauma is not what happened to us. It's the result of what happened. It's what's stored in our body as the memory of, I'm not protected. I'm not safe. I can't connect any longer. I don't trust X, Y, or Z. I don't trust that someone's really there for me. We lose our sense of self. The ultimate kind of shtick with trauma is we, we, we desperately lose our sense of what feels right and what feels wrong. We just keep pushing through, and that's what founders do. We keep pushing through and we ignore our gut because we were trained, we were acculturated not to feel what we feel. And I think that's the biggest problem. Our culture is not one of, you know, let's just express what's going on for us. We're always covering up. We always have to show sort of that shiny image when, you know, what we really need is a connection from, a loving connection from others. So our society is uh, highly traumatizing where we feel disconnected. So my mentor, Stephen Porges, the developer of polyvagal theory, his definition of trauma is chronic, a sense of chronic disconnection, disconnection from others. You know, we, we get into these discussions and they have many tentacles, right? We have many tentacles. So when, when we have a chronic sense of disconnection, our what's called our social engagement, our ability to connect with each other and trust each other isn't there anymore. We're always posturing. Do you think it's a lack of a lack of trust with the person, or do you think it's um, a lack of being around human? Is it a lack of touch? Is it a lack of communication, like that one-on-one, or is it a lack of now we spend? I mean, we can't say this back in the day, but we spend more time on technology. And so we're really disconnected from human beings. Yeah. I think it starts at a really early age. And we learn how to be as we were acculturated as children. Uh, So I feel like it's a coping mechanism for people. It is absolutely a coping mechanism. We're acculturated to being independent at a very early age. And that is not the design of the human species, right? It takes 25 years. Check this out. It takes 25 years for the human brain to fully develop. Now, when I say brain, we can talk about a couple of things. When I think of, well, what is our, what is our brain? Yes, we think of those two lobes, <laughs> basically, uh, in, in our head. But we have an embodied brain. The embodied brain is an integral part of our brain, right? And that's the nervous system. So the the role of the nervous system is is quite fascinating and, and has actually a few roles. But the primary role of the nervous system is to keep us safe. So information, feelings, right, get generated. <gasps> we see this morning I woke up to a frog, okay? in the bedroom. Not not a happy thing. And I don't like reptiles, right? I'm like, ah, right? So you get this visceral sense of I have to take this frog out of the house safely where I don't where I'm not scared. I'm glad it wasn't snake. Um, and uh, so we address what's going on here. It comes up through 
the nervous system into our into our brain and the brain magnifies the information and sends it back down to our gut and all of our organs and it's this feedback loop always feedback loop and we're always reacting from the sense of am i safe and not from a thinking point of view when i say thinking i mean um what is volitional, what we think of as thinking, like, I want to choose certain words, that's volitional. Or I want to raise this pen, that's volitional, right? How I react to snakes, or any other stimuli from outside, or even from inside, um, isn't conscious. Our conscious mind, it's theorized that our conscious mind, what we think of as thinking, what's volitional, operates at 128 or so bits of information a second. Now you and I, I'm not, I'm not great at arithmetic, I use a calculator, but I can count to 128, right? Our non-volitional brain, uh, what, what some people call non-conscious or subconscious, operates at 12 million bits of information a second, which you think is going to win out. Yeah. So we must become aware of our feelings first in my in my uh paradigm of the world if i'm disconnected from my feelings a lot of things are going on i'm not really aware that my feelings change how i think my feelings change how i perceive what's happening so when i'm in fight or flight or shutting down Oh, I don't want to handle this. I don't want to do my taxes. It's a bad example. But, um, you know, I'm avoiding something. I'm avoiding having a conversation. Um, this is all regulating through the nervous system, and it affects every organ. If I can just be go with the flow, handle what comes up, knowing that whatever happens, I'm okay. I'm okay if something doesn't work out. I'm okay if... Um, someone I love says, I don't want to do X, Y, or Z. You're going to, you're going to have to go it alone. Um, now I can easily come back to the state of rest and digest. Rest and digest is where our health is. Rest and digest is where we're easily able to connect with others, with openness, with curiosity, with, um, a sense of, oh, I'd like to collaborate with this person. Let's, let's problem solve together, as opposed to I'm right and they're wrong, or they're right and I must be wrong, right? We come from, as founders, we come from a sense of we really need to be right or else we're in trouble. <laughs> that doesn't really help us as founders, right? It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, yeah. So how do you juggle like the chaos and stay, keep your nervous system regulated? Mm, that is the multi, multi-million dollar question. Does it start with the brain? So do you train your brain, your thoughts, your brain, and then that does the loop? Mm, that's a great question. So the way I address it, and I'm sure different providers would, would address it differently, but as a nervous system health coach that was trained in polyvagal theory, and uh, I used Dr. Porges to start, 
we use Dr. Porges protocol, which uses headsets that you're using now. And you listen to music to reshape this little muscle in the middle ear, which is responsible for one of the things it's responsible for is informing the nervous system of what sounds are going on, what frequencies are coming into the body, which I consider a communication device. When we're born, um, it's shaped like a little uh, like a little seed, maybe a pumpkin seed kind of a thing. It's the tiniest muscle in the human body, one millimeter or so long, teeny tiny. And when we've had um, some disconnection, when we've had chronic stress or threat, unresolved trauma, it goes from this shape to flattens. When it flattens, it allows in frequencies that are very low and threatening to all mammals. So we're not even aware that we're hearing them. But our nervous system always stays on edge because now it's far more aware that there's potential danger. It's sort of like uh, lost in space. Remember uh, the, the, the robot would go, danger, danger, Will Robinson. Right? So is that based on frequencies? Is that the music, is that a frequency? You know how they have healing frequencies? and Yes. So Dr. Porges identified an algorithm that actually reshapes the muscle using frequencies that are embedded in the music that replicate a mother's lullaby, the distilled sound of safety, the distilled sound of trust in the human voice. So you might be listening to Vivaldi. Um, it, you get to choose what you want to listen to, whether it's classical or 60s, 70s, and 80s, or primarily Disney tunes, but, um, and there are going to be more playlists coming out but there are frequencies that are embedded in the music in a certain progression and at it, we do it at a certain rate. So it's not just, okay, listen to any music and you're off to the races. It's, you work with a provider. Uh, for many of us, uh, the sounds of safety, if we were, um, if we have a lot of trauma or if we have certain kinds of uh, situations in our past, the sounds of safety will not, will not be safe for us because we couldn't trust when someone, potentially when someone appeared to be safe one minute and then was, was angry the next minute, we can't trust the sounds of safety. So we need, we need someone to guide us through. We need someone to help us feel safe within ourselves as these unsafe signals are coming in because when we're sitting in a chair, like you and I right now, we're in a safe space, and yet we get triggered, potentially, when there's really nothing that's actually physically threatening to our bodies, right? But we're triggered in, in terms of emotional stress. So we want to um, teach our nervous system that we're really okay, and that's really the role of a nervous system health coach. I love that, but I think it, how hard is it to maintain, like once you've worked with someone and they've got to a good stage, state, right? And then they get triggered. Is it easy to get back 
to the state that they need to be. I'm certain that you probably equip them with tools and things of that nature. I'm just thinking like from my own perspective. So I, I haven't really thought of it from the nervous system like perspective. Um, but I definitely can feel like I've let go of any expectations of certain things, right. Or people or whatever the case. So when something happens and it triggers me, I notice that it's like, I'm starting to go down a rabbit hole that I shouldn't be. So I have to do, as long as I catch it, I can do a reset and be like, okay, this isn't about me. Right? Like I try to figure out what my root thought process is in it and then reset, but it doesn't happen instantaneously. But it, I, I feel like all of that is tied to this nervous system scenario, right? Like all of it. And I'm interested to see or hear or understand how that, how the spiritual and self healing and, you know, all of the things like the med the, all of the stuff relates to the nervous system. And if you can go even deeper, you know, I like, that's fascinating to me. Yeah. We need to be calm. We need to be relaxed. We need to trust that as we sit, if we're sitting in meditation, there are a lot of people that can't sit still. Their nervous system is too dysregulated, right? They want, they need to get up and move and discharge the energy. Um, and it is, it is a practice. Um, so, and there's no easy, there is no easy answer, Brooke, to your question. Because, right? So just, just think about it, right? So you have these um, priests in Tibet. They, they sit in meditation their entire life, constantly practicing. It is, that's because it's, it, it is a practice. Staying present is a function of a regulated nervous system. Coming back to that presence takes practice. First, it requires feeling what's going on. And again, we're not really taught to feel our feelings in this culture. We're not taught to express our feelings to another. And we're taught to repress our feelings when something feels uncomfortable. We're taught to put a brave face out to the world and be independent. Well, our species was not meant to be independent. We're meant to be social. We could not survive. So it, you know, the, the, the survival of the fittest actually wouldn't have worked. It's really the survival of the safest, the survival of the group is how we manage to move forward. And the polarization makes it even worse. And so we live in a very polarizing society. So the practice is feel your feelings first and foremost, be safe enough to feel your feelings, identify them, what are they? And then I have a process I teach um, the folks that I work with to identify when was the first time you felt that feeling? This is, of course, after some nervous system training. And what was the decision that you made about yourself when you were feeling that feeling? And it always comes down to a variety of one thing. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. Why is that so deep rooted in so many of us? 
It's crazy to me. It is. It is. So what we can do is keep coming back to how do I feel? Because many of us leave our body, right? We go up into our head. We think we're this, right? This is where where it's at. That's not true. (laughs) Our feelings are generated by our gut and they go into the brain and we don't, we don't want to feel our feelings. So feeling the feelings and being really gentle and honest with ourselves is the first step. And that takes practice. We're not taught that as children. So unfortunately, there's no hard, easy, like, oh, this is easy. You listen to some music and you feel 100. No, this is a bunch of crap. We want that, right? That's our, that's our quick fix society. Oh, this is a fast and easy problem to solve. No, it's not. It really takes a commitment to working on oneself. And again, that's not something that we're taught. But it is it is a commitment that we need. Right. Well, first and foremost, you got to recognize that there's a pro- that there's some um, inconsistent s- some trouble. Right. You got to recognize that you have things to resolve. Right. And then, like you said, Juan, I think that's I think a lot of people just don't even think about it. Yeah. External problems can be solved when the internal issue of you know, I can handle this. I can handle this. I may not have the answer right now. I may not have the answer myself, but I have trusted colleagues and loved ones. And together, collaboratively, we can find a solution to this. And many of us don't operate that way. We don't have patience. So of course, in Mer- one, one quote that I love is infinite patience yields immediate results. Infinite patience yields immediate results. Now one has to have a really beautifully regulated nervous system to trust enough. Yeah, I can, I can go inside and connect to myself and know that I'm okay and that a solution will occur. Or this too shall pass, but I am fine. Think about all the problems that we have, right? It all comes down to this is not going to be okay. We, we want to project it out to the world. We want to see that others are to blame. But if we could accept the world exactly as it is, we would be the healthiest nation on the planet. But we are probably one of the least healthy because the nervous system regulates both emotional and physical well-being. It is really at the root of our health, mental and physical. And, and almost no one knows anything about the autonomic nervous system except a small little group of folks like myself who are, who are trying to get the word out there <laughs> um, that we can, we can, hmm, we can be peaceful. We can be at peace when we find the peace within ourselves. So there's a hymn. Hmm. There's, a, there's an old hymn, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. And man, is that 
appropriate. So imagine coming into your group, let's say you have a management team, and you are the person that everyone trusts because you remain calm and level-headed. You're open to what your management team and your employees have to say, and you, you're really fully present for them. What kind of a team do you think you would have? What kind of an organization do you think you would have? Well, I think it would be much more productive and they would, they would certainly, I would think, communicate with you more and uh, want to be more part of the team. Uh, I think it would be a good environment, right? No one likes to report to a hothead, that's for sure. Yeah, if all of the colleagues in the organization also felt valued and safe and that their word was going to be explored and accepted and not rejected. So coming into the meeting, really just everyone being curious and interested and connected, the collaboration, the creativity go through the roof. I think saying that is, is from a founder standpoint, sometimes you know, in their heart of hearts, I think that they want to be open and listen and whatnot. But I also think you get caught in the rat race of like, you've got to do so much and you've got, you've got to get so much done that I think it's very common for them not to have that approach, right? Like their intention would be there, but they're on for whatever reason, whether they've created themselves or they've got demands from others or whatnot, the demand of their life and lifestyle and work is overtaking their emotions and their ability to come from that place. Yes, it's exactly what happens. And this is why this requires training. It requires the training of a Jedi, right? to be present despite threat, to know that inside I'm safe, there may be all sorts of chaotic things going on around me, but coming back to a place of I'm okay and we can handle this. And it doesn't mean that we're not productive. In fact, I think it means that we're more productive. We can be a lot more efficient and effective when we come from a place of feeling grounded. What are, do you have any tips on people to get grounded? I mean, I know walking outside, like I know the shock related components of getting grounded, hugging a tree. Do you have any quick, quick tips to get grounded? Yes. Being in nature is great. Walking barefoot in the grass or on the, on the beach is great. Being with someone and being able to look into their eyes and smile is great. Another thing to do at your desk, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share my favorite exercise. So simple, but this is the problem. It's so simple, people forget. Um, do you have a cat or a dog? I don't remember, Brooke. I have two dogs. Okay. So, you know, the dogs will lie down and then every 90 minutes or so they'll get up, they'll stretch and they may curl up and go back to sleep. Right. Mm -hmm. So when we follow nature, we're all going to, we're going to be better off. 
So what we do in this exercise is we stretch really, really, really big, stretch, mm -hmm. stretch, stretch, and our nervous system is going to want to take a nice deep breath, what we consider a yawn. Mm. So even if we can't get to the yawn yet, we want to pretend to yawn. It'll mm -hmm. get our nervous system primed. Those yawns are the signal to our nervous system that we're okay. We can relax. Mm. So stretching and yawning, what I call yawn stretch. Mm. Wait, we want to do it. Yeah, get it. That yeah, feels so good. Have, yeah, it feels good. <laughs> and it's also very, very helpful for the nervous system. I have some of my clients have young kids. Uh-huh. And mommy and babies do it together. Oh yeah, that's awesome. They're like, mommy, it's time. You haven't done your yawn stretch. So that's one that's one um one little exercise. Another little exercise that you can do and no one needs to know you're doing it is breathing with your palms and your fingers. So it's very simple. You follow your breath with your fingers. So you would breathe in, let's say to a count of three and breathe out to a count of five. Breathing in is stimulating, breathing out is relaxing to the nervous system. And you can do this, you can be at a meeting, no one needs to know, your hands are under the table, you follow your breath with your fingers, breathing in, opening your fingers, breathing out, closing your fingers. That's simple. Focusing on the breath. That's awesome. That's easy done. Right. The problem is they're so simple, they're really also simple to forget. Yeah. <laughs> but it is in the practice. It is in the practice that we shift our physiology. And when we shift our physiology, we can shift how we think and how we connect with others. Thanks for those tips. I definitely, I should put little notes. Don't forget to yawn stretch. <laughs> every, just imagine like every time you go into the bathroom. Yeah. Every time you go into the bathroom, you do a yawn stretch. I like it. I like it. So now if somebody were to work with you, what does that look like? Like I, I wouldn't even know where to start. So like, is it a certain time frame or is it one-on-one -on -one is do you give them exercises to do or more, like what does it look like kind of all of the above we start in small groups and in our small groups basically what we're doing is we are sharing our facial expressions as we're listening to the music and as we do these somatic exercises like the yawn stretch and breathing so we see that we can be safe in groups our nervous system likes connecting to others. That's one of the ways that mammals feel safe. Safe with each other. We're not telling stories. We're not talking about our history. We're just learning somatic exercise and listening to the safe and sound protocol with headsets that are just like yours. That takes about 11 sessions in a group. And then once the nervous system has a chance to relax, then we start exploring what the beliefs are. And those are in one-on-one -on -one sessions. When we get, you know, bring to the table what's going on. And then we go through that process of exploring what are the feelings and what are the beliefs. And we repattern those because the truth is we are not our thoughts and we are not our feelings. We are beautiful, 
always innocent beings. We've always been worthy. By virtue of our existence, we are worthy. We just keep making up because we keep hauling back the past that we're not. And so really this is, it's all about changing beliefs at that non-conscious level to um, the Course in Miracles says we have two emotions, only two, and everything is a derivative thereof. Fear, now think of fear as defense, or love. Love, not romantic love, but we could call it safety, we could call it curiosity, we could call it connection. Love has many different words for it, many different synonyms. But we're only, there's only love or fear. There's only attack and defend or connect. And everything else is kind of on a continuum. So we're learning really self deep, deep, deep self-acceptance, deep self-love, and shedding the layers, because there are many, shedding the layers of our, um, and I'm going to be very extreme in how I word this, our self-hatred. Because we just don't treat ourselves very kindly. We berate ourselves far more than we hug ourselves and say, you know, I did the best I could, and that's good enough. In my background, it was always, this didn't come out right, I should have done this differently, blah, 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 right? We can put that in the self-hate basket. We have many more balls in the self-hate basket than the self-love basket. Not self-aggrandizing. That's not what I'm talking about. But really deep self-acceptance. And that's really what the work is ultimately. Even though it might look like we have a better, stronger management team, it's really about building a community where everyone knows that they are worthy, even when we make mistakes. Because mistakes are a part of life. It's how we handle them. We are supported by Masami. Masami is clean, premium hair care with a Japanese ocean botanical for weightless hydration and shine. We love their products in my house. My daughter has really thick long hair and I have really fine thin hair and we both love the Masami shampoo and conditioner. Masami is vegan, cruelty-free, non-toxic, clean, gender neutral, and works for every hair type and texture, whether straight or curly. Their products clean and moisturize their hair all at once. They've received several awards for their products, and after using them, you will look like you just walked out of the salon. They're eco-friendly, sustainable, vegan, plant-based, and the company is woman-owned. For 15% off, go to Love Masami, that's L-O-V-E-M-A-S-A-M-I dot com backslash the Wild Feather Podcast and enter the Wild Feather Podcast in the coupon code for 15% off your entire order. If someone wants to get rid of chronic stress, mitigate stress, if there's disease going on within their body, shall we say, uh, if they're in a mental destructive pattern, right? Um, if 
they just don't feel like themselves. And when I say don't feel like themselves, that could mean many different things, at least from the way I'm translating this is like, if you feel stuck, if you're unhappy, if you feel this, or if you're sad, or if you're depressed, or like all of the things, all the things, um, then going to this as a solution to remedy those situations is a good source, right? Instead of shoving pills down, trying to figure that out ultimately, I feel like those are just putting band-aids, like medicines, just putting band-aids on things, some, some medicines. But if you really want to ultimately heal yourself, then get to the nervous system is basically what you're saying and heal the nervous system. I'd rather put it a little bit differently. <laughs> okay, <Wow>. please do. <laughs> that was my all, translation. <laughs> right. All, heal, all healing is self-healing. So what I would say is if we have chronic illness, all of the stuff that we're doing with our doctors and our alternative practitioners is going to be much harder to work if our nervous system doesn't accept it. So to create a foundation through which our body can heal, we must have a nervous system that's on board that because it's a gatekeeper for change, right? If we're in constant defense, uh, what Robert Navio calls the cell danger response, a chronic cell danger response, we're going to have chronic illness. Um, it means that the threat signals are coming through and not getting to the cells. And we get stuck with all kinds of stuff, including cancer, autoimmunity, uh, heart disease, all sorts of things. Um, doesn't matter how it began, but ultimately it ends up in a dysregulated state. And so the base, the foundation of all the other work, whether you're doing surgery or anything else, psychotherapy, EMDR, uh, somatic experiencing, whatever else you're working with, whether you are following Dr. Joe Dispenza or uh, Michael Singer or any of the really beautifully articulated um, teachers, we don't get there. We can't do their stuff effectively without a regulated nervous system. So we're not going to reap the benefits of all of the other components without having our nervous system regulated. That's and correct. Okay, got it. So it's not yeah. irreplaceable, but we won't be able to receive the full capacity of the medicines or the solutions or the all the all the things until we get our nervous system regulated. Yeah, just think about you know I was one of those people. I I don't know. I probably spent a quarter of a million dollars following a lot of these teachers around the world. Uh, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding, and. Um, you know, I was what I like, why can't I change? What's going on? I'm really being good. And yet I'm following in this and that and the other thing. And one thing didn't work. So I go to another, I go to another doctor, I go to another, you know, holistic practitioner, nothing was working. And I finally figured out why my nervous system wasn't on board. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. Because you can feel like if you follow the Joe Dispenza's and the singers and, you know, all of those and if you're doing that on top of the other stuff, and even if you do acupuncture, like all the things, and you still feel, there's so many, but, and you still are challenged, feeling challenged, like that, this is a great uh, tool to know about because uh, I know that a lot of people have done 
all of the things I myself have as well. And I feel better, but there may be even more to go, right? And this could be, um, this could be it. Like, that's interesting. It's, it would be really fascinating for me to see someone that has tried all the stuff and still has difficulty, ha learns the nervous system techniques and repairs the nervous system, and then goes back and does all the things again to see the the difference, right? Like, I don't know how you measure that, but it would be fascinating to see. A great way to measure it is through heart rate variability. So yeah, so if you have an aura ring or another device, that's a great way to measure how your nervous system is doing. Um, Dr. Patrick Porter interviewed me because I had, I had done a pre and post with his brain tap. And what they do is they put leads on your wrists. And uh, I was at, you know, one of the biohacking conferences, whatever. And the gal who we had his whole team, they were a part of his team. He said, she said, Doc, you've got to come over here and, and do this one. And he says, what are you doing? Your nervous system is really, really coherent. What do you do? Because I had never tried brain tap before. And I told him what I did. And he says, well, you have to come on my podcast and I want to interview you and, and share your results with everyone. Um, he said, I give you an A plus. As a nervous system health coach, you get an A plus from me anyway, uh, because your heart rate variability and all the other derivative information that we can gather. Um, so I have that on my website which by the way is, is uh, Um Here's the thing, Brooke. I don't want anyone walking away going, I'm going to be healed when I get my nervous system together. It takes practice, practice, practice. And I, I don't think it's a permanent fix either. It sounds like you have to continue to regulate that. This is a lifelong commitment to yourself. Because when we first learned how to be in the world, it wasn't the optimal way. So we're retraining out years of, um, years of stuff that we've accumulated. Yeah. It's not to say that, you know, someone can find enlightenment quickly, but I'm going to come back to that quote. Infinite patience yields immediate results. Infinite. So I was going to ask you what your motto or what your motto is. Would you say that that is your motto or do you have a motto or slogan that you like? Actually, this was coined by Patrick Porter, founder of BrainTap, when he interviewed me. And I, I've been using the, the statement ever since. Your nervous system doesn't lie. Right? So we can pretend that everything's fine, but really our nervous system knows and our body is, we are going to be reflecting or experiencing what our nervous system is really is going on. That wasn't English, but you know what I mean. So the state of our health and the state of our relationships, uh, if we're willing to tap into what's going on, we're going to get to the truth. And only when we can get to the truth can we repair. And we need to be safe enough to be willing to see what the truth is about what's happening in our lives to be able to change it. To be able to face it or whatever, right? Yeah. And, and to forgive ourselves 
Remember, it all comes down to this idea that we're just not good enough. We're unimportant. We're broken. Uh, you know, any derivative of that. That was never, ever, 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 ever true, nor will it ever be true. But we operate as if it is true. Very few people in our culture, what Mickey Singer, Michael Singer says, you know, I just don't feel okay. If we don't feel okay, it's a sign. <laughs> that's, that's the sign. It just not feeling, I just don't feel okay. I don't feel okay being me. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. So where can people find you and what's the best way to get in touch with you if they would like to get information or uh, get your coaching? The best way really is SuzanneFinder.com. And um, you can find a bunch of resources on my site about the autonomic nervous system, about polyvagal theory, about cell danger response, all the things we talked about today. Um, as well as you can set up a time just to connect with me privately. And then how can we help you? Hmm. That's a beautiful question. Thank you so much. Um, I would say just keep spreading the word that unless we get to understanding the autonomic nervous system, we're going to stay stuck. The more we all understand that it's important to help people feel safe and to help ourselves feel safe. That's what's going to change the world. So I'm, my stealth mission as an interfaith minister is to convey safety, helping other people feel safe in the world, learning how to feel safe within yourself, learning how to be okay no matter what's going on, it's a lifelong pursuit, but we have to do it in order to in order to really live a lovely, connected, happy, happy life. Yeah, I feel like we all need it more than anything right now in the world, and everyone, everyone, right? Just the crazy of the world right now. Uh, it would be nice if everyone was just in this. Happy place. I'm going to leave you guys with one other thing, if that's okay. The outer world is a reflection of our inner world. How we see the world is a reflection of what's happening in our nervous system. Our nervous system doesn't lie. If we want to create something different in our world, it has to start with me. Uh, I like it. I like it. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and sharing your insight and valuable tips and uh, spreading your love. And uh, uh, I'm super grateful. And we will leave your information in the social media comments as well as um, on the podcast notes so people know where to find you. Um, if there's anything else outside of spreading the word that we can do for you, don't hesitate to reach out. We're happy to help and support you in any way. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think if, if, if uh, founders want to bring this into their organization, that's something that um, is, is possible.
we do this together. We're all healing together, whether it's in our organizations as founders or as individuals or as couples or whatever. But real change is possible. Real change is possible. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, subscribe to our channel, The Wild Feather. If you want to learn more about our guests or their products and companies, you can visit our website at thewildfeatherpodcast.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter to receive info on our upcoming episodes. Follow us on social media to get the latest deets. We're on all of them, so pick your favorite and follow us. And if you're a founder and need funding or accelerator info or business resources, you can go to our website, thewildfeatherpodcast.com and find some valuable information and resources there. No matter if you're a founder, your investor, or what your path is, just remember you were born with wings. Wings.